0: This week on Next in Marketing, I spoke with Aaron Debevoise, founder and CEO of Spotter, a company that is spending hundreds of millions of dollars to lock up the rights to sell ads on popular YouTube channels. Aaron and I spoke about the early days of YouTube's partnership programs and how the company worked with creators back then, and why he thinks marrying the creator economy with e-commerce may be the ultimate explosive ad category going forward. Let's get started. Everything we
1: know about the media, marketing, and advertising business is being completely upended thanks to technology and data. We're talking with some of the top industry leaders as they steer their companies through constant change. Welcome to Next in Marketing, presented by AppsFlyer.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next in Marketing. My guest this week is Aaron Debeboise. He's the CEO and founder of Spotter. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: I'm excited to talk to you because you are um you're at the head of one of the more interesting companies in digital media right now, but also you're somebody who's like really knows the YouTube web video world really well. Can we maybe uh before we get into spotter, talk about your background and like how you got so just deeply imbe- embedded in the YouTube universe?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, my my background originally um uh, before I got uh, into the YouTube universe, uh, was at JP Morgan doing kind of film and, uh, television and music financings, um, and loved just content creation and, and saw the struggles that content creators had to break through. And, um, I got really interested in the, in the idea that, you know, YouTube would be able to kind of offer a democratized platform for, for content creators to kind of build new networks, build new brands and, so I co-founded a, a company called Machinima, which was really a consumer-facing programming brand, um, really focused on kind of the idea that hey, new new networks would be born, and we thought that the right kind of uh, uh, audience for YouTube in terms of one of the biggest audiences was was gaming, sure. um, was video games, um, and so that that really gave me a ten-year, you know, complete. Learning of of the platform while it tried to figure itself out. Right. Um, YouTube was obviously a very different platform. You know, prior. Uh, I was going to mention uh, this, that that's
0: that's a uh, way before we started using the term creator economy, and there were not right. that many platforms like that. But th- th- was this around the time when YouTube was trying to st- had started the partnership program in its early stages?
1: <clears throat> the, the earliest stages possible. They uh, actually, we were one of the first companies invited onto the platform. I think prior to that, we were, we were, there was a big hype around like super syndication. Could you be on every single mm-hmm. you know, video player or platform? And it was so hard to manage and you didn't know which one to put too much time into And with YouTube. It gave you this kind of hyper-focus ability to reach so many people that it, that was really, it was really a great time to join. Yeah.
0: And what what I, One thing I remember about that, there, there was, a, if, if memory serves, they were, YouTube was still trying to figure out like they hadn't really caught on to the fact that there was a whole new breed of talent emerging or or they were, they were still trying to figure out like, let's partner with Madonna and Shaq and Aston Kutcher instead of like, wow, these, these born on YouTube talents are emerging. It was a really different time then.
1: Totally. I mean, it it was, in fact, it was, it was a lot of content that uh, was driven by how many clicks the videos were getting. So you saw a lot of viral content that it really didn't matter who uploaded it as long as it was kind of, interesting or or unique but the problem with that is that it led to a lot of clickbait type content right Right. um so the utility-based stuff really worked and then they were hoping they could like bring in like you said the traditional talent but when they switched over uh 2011 to like a watch time based algorithm right, right where it was really about engagement is when these new creators right? Uh, really started to get big. That wasn't
0: a gameable thing so much. That was really, a, you had to have an authentic audience totally. thing going on.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay. So I, it's for, first of all, I just found out that I was pronouncing Machinima wrong for like 10 years. Um, I was I was always saying Machinima, but can you talk about that, that? That was a fascinating time. There were a lot of companies that were trying to sort of had different variations on let's build the, a YouTube network, either let's let's sell ads for a bunch of channels let's have let's program and have a bunch of partnerships with creators or something in between what do you remember about that time and that and the model that you guys were trying then and maybe if you get into like what I don't want to say what went wrong but things really changed in the MCN world over time and, and evolved radically
1: oh well, no I, I think plenty of things went wrong and, and plenty of things we, <laughs> we got to learn from um I think for us there were kind of two two groups of MCNs, right? Ones that were really trying to be brands that that stood for something, right? So I was a co-founder of Style Hall. It stood for fashion and beauty content, right? And really made its own content, and then supplemented that content with working with other creators, right? Um, Machinima was for gamers. You knew what videos types of videos consumers knew
0: those names when they would check out those channels.
1: Yeah, right, and and so. Um, whereas I think like full screen and maker were more full service organizations, right. To help creators better monetize. Right. But it didn't really stand for a specific brand. Right. Right. Um, you wouldn't know, like if you said, it was a, full a B2B, B2B
0: thing for the most part.
1: Yeah. Right. I think the thing that really, that, that we learned, you know, the two things that we really learned, one is it, it was extremely difficult to, scale the idea that you could help thousands of creators in, in an equal way, right? I mean, I think it was that you had to to make the business work. You were doing branded integrations and trying to, to do that. You had to pick the top of the top creators. The other, you know, third 3,000 you had in your network, it was really hard to pay attention to them unless you had some massive group of people managing them all the time. Um, and so I think a lot of creators like kind of lost out, right? Um, and, and then secondly, it was that kind of what we saw was the growth of independent creators really doing well with YouTube. And that was because YouTube really helped the monetization or delivered the monetization solution where creators could move from hobbyists to full-time creators, mm-hmm. right? At the beginning, why MCNs were, were born was that that wasn't obvious, right? Machinima was trying to get creators to quit their jobs and, and, and do gaming full-time, right? But that wasn't easy. Now that's a lot simpler. So so hence- Yeah,
0: my kids want to be a YouTube star. Like it wasn't established that that was a thing to do yet.
1: Right. And so now the, the thought was, or the thing that I think is that you can actually help millions of creators, right? If you're focused on something as simple as, hey, how do I give cash to creators to grow independently and, and build a bigger brand? And I can focus on creators that are moving not from being- a hobbyist to a full-time creator, but a full-time creator into a much bigger enterprise, right? And all throughout the journey. So you can help mil- a lot more creators today with simpler solutions and, and they can actually see major results on their own.
0: It's funny about that time. I also remember there was a lot of griping, uh, not not universally, but you know, some creators, well, YouTube's cut is huge. We're never going to make this work. That you know They take X amount of money. And now they look like the you know the gold standards because so many so many platforms initially don't pay anybody anything or it's really hard to make yeah. Any money. Yeah, they just they no, made a right. I mean, business.
1: That's right. I mean, uh the, the movement, I mean look, YouTube I think paid fifteen billion dollars this year to creators, right? right? Which is just extraordinary. And then you hear other companies going, well, I have a hundred and fifty million dollar fund, right, for the right. creators. Right. And, and that sounds and nice
0: uh, compared to the, the YouTube number, it's not much.
1: Well, and the problem with that model is as those platforms grow, there's more and more people that need access to that 150 million. So the checks get smaller and smaller and smaller as the platform right. grows. Right. Um, so at no one compares to the YouTube monetization engine. Right.
0: Okay. So there, we talked about that time, you know, lots of MCNs, proliferated. I remember this one year where there was like at the new fronts, there were like seven of them or something. Um, right. You saw a lot of acquisitions, mergers, things changed. Um, why did, I, I guess what, where do you think that all ended up? Where, where, where did that settle? And then I want to talk about what you did next, maybe
1: where did it settle like in, in general, the MCN. Uh,
0: yeah. Like, you don't, we don't talk about that as a category anymore that some of them are, some of them exist, but it's like it, right. it was, some of them became part of bigger media companies or we, we learned that those vo- some models worked and some didn't, I guess.
1: Yeah. I, I think that remember it was a hundred percent dependent on a- a- advertising. Right. But not, Not in a way, the way the business models were structured, it was either taking too much value away from creators just to be part of the network, right? Or when they Mm -hmm. didn't take enough value, they had these huge organizations, right, where that needed to be supported by premium ad sales. And yet it was really didn't feel like necessarily a premium product, right? Mm -hmm. It was like if you had 40 billion random views that have no rhyme or reason, right. You're still, you'd be better off buying in the auction, mm-hmm. right. Or, 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 buying directly from YouTube. So the problem is that MCNs ended up having to charge more than, than YouTube direct, right. To make any money because they were giving so much rev share out, right, right. To YouTube and everyone that they, there was no way that that could be sustained. So they all moved whether they either didn't sustain or they moved to branded integration, sure. which is extremely difficult to scale. Yeah, It's right? a very, and,
0: a very, uh, High, high custom, high touch kind of kind of business.
1: Yes, yeah, right. yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, so let's let's get into, into Spotter. I mean, can, you, can, you, can you give me the give me the history? It's a very interesting model. It's kind of it's it's you've gotten a lot of recent funding. Can, can you maybe take us from the beginning of the idea where, where it's how how you got started and where it's going?
1: Yeah. So look, I, I think I mentioned a little bit already, right? Where we said. If, these, if we can give in creators who want to remain independent the capital to grow, we can accelerate their opportunity, right? I think we saw that YouTube did transition people from, you know, hobbyists to full-time creators. But channels like Dude Perfect or, you know, other big channels, they take 10 years to really grow and you know and we wanted to say hey why is it taking 10 years and it's because the money was enough to pay your bills and hire a few people but it wasn't enough to make a real investment in yourself and scale um the key to all that though was that there had to be predictable cash flows right there had to be th- something that you could finance so you uh, are you
0: saying are, are you saying that to create the next dude perfect or Mr Beast you need that or or even the big guys they were just getting by or they were not like you might expect they're making a killing and it's still a struggle to invest the way they want to
1: Yeah I think it's I think the key is what you just last said which is invest the way they want to right, right. Okay. and take, take full advantage So so Mr Beast right he's he's obviously doing extremely well still needs capital right? To, to take advantage right. of the opportunity now that he has a hundred million fans and he could be much bigger, right? Um, on his main ta- main channel. And then he launches a different product lines and so forth. So we just look at it as like YouTube, uh, the the process of becoming bigger, wherever it's, whatever phase you are in your journey, that could be you're hiring an editor for the first time, all the way to you're buying your fourth production studio, right? To, to right. launch more videos, Right it all can be accelerated because the idea that like, in some ways it's kind of crazy that YouTube goes to you and says, Hey, we'll pay you over five years. The volatility will be dependent on our algorithms, right? You're not quite sure how much you're mm-hmm. going to make. So you don't really know how to invest. And you're like, it, it's, it's like, the, I don't well, want to, put I'll, it like
0: I'll, I'll tell my landlord that it's going to be volatile and see how that goes. Like stuff, yeah, that's exactly. not how the world works.
1: And so we, we try to solve that, but, but we, we had to figure out that, look, Are there, is viewership predictable, right? And the reason it is predictable is because the recommendation engine changed to watch time, right? That watch time versus views or engagement versus clicks, right? Really changed the way people were watching content and how the recommendation engine would say, if you like this, you should also like this. You should also like that. So I remember back in Machinima days, 40 to 50% of the traffic was driven by search, Right. And, right. Okay. and now I think it's close to 95% of it is driven by recommendation. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, you, it was, YouTube was, you would, you would hear, it still is a search engine, but you would you would hear it referred to more often as like a search engine and it was a lot of one more one-off viewing versus I'm going to hang out for a while. Um, and there was also yeah. far less uh, television viewing, which now you see you know even longer sessions because of that. That's interesting. But so,
1: so yeah, go go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know. So so if we combine those things, what we realized is if we could fund a lot of creators, right, it wasn't we couldn't just do one. Right. But if we could help look at the cash or if we could look at all the cash flow streams from a large portfolio of creators, we could we could actually start to see that the volatility would be less and that the cash flows would be super predictable. So our mission out there was to say, let's fund as many creators as possible right um through this idea that we will license their back catalog the things that have already created right giving them the money to go make new content that they they keep 100 percent of the revenue from okay right um we don't own any rights to go off of youtube or anything like that it's all just a youtube uh revenue kind of stream licensing model um and and then we found out really the, the creators really wanted it the only thing that really took a lot, I think a long time was one getting the data and two, you know, you'd go to a creator and they'd say, sell my life. Like, what are you talking about? Well, that
0: was going to be my, my question. I, cause I, and I, you know, I know the space well enough to be dangerous, but I don't live it. Like you do, like I'm going to assume, let's say a big, I don't know, you dude, perfect or a big YouTube talent. They probably have gotten to a place where new videos, if they do it three times a week have are, are. fairly predictable like in terms of the number of of views but i would i would imagine their old stuff is all over the place but you're are you seeing are you finding that's not necessarily true like there's some consistency if you work this work the channel as well
1: yeah so there is some consistency because it's a self-fulfilling situation where the more videos they create within a category so if all of a sudden dude perfect was like we're doing cooking and we're doing, you know, whatever it is it's, but if it's all content, that's pretty related to each other, then the recommendation engine doesn't treat old videos at differently than new videos, right? right? It will say, Hey, these are all videos that have a certain level of watch time, you know, completion rates, things that, that are metrics driven that says, well, I should recommend Mr. B's video you uploaded 12 months ago, because it's, it's a specific type of challenge video that he that he did something similar today, right? right. Um, so, yeah, the libraries act in a very predictable way, um, all, although they always decay. They always decline over time, right? Right. Um, so that makes sense because like,
0: the, the recommendation – I'm assuming that a 10-year-old, 8-year-old video is not going to pop up as much in the recommendation engine, even if it's got the right watch time numbers because it's older or –
1: no, it, it really depends on all the other content out there, right? And, and the satisfaction of a single viewer's experience, right? So right. think of it as if you wanted to watch How to Tie a tie, right? That video could be 20 years old and it's, it's still going to work, right? The yeah. number one selection for the last 10 years has probably been the same video. Right, there have
0: been a lot of innovations in, in Tie bow yeah. ties that I've known. Right,
1: right. But, it, but, but when it comes to challenge videos, if Mr. Beast was the only one out there, doing it right. He would have continuous traffic, but then all of a sudden more competition, right. Uh, for, for, or more creators doing similar videos creates right. only a certain amount of opportunity for the, the, the current right. library. Right. So. Right.
0: Okay. So I'm, I, my mind goes towards, I'm sure you've heard this analogy and I'm probably it's probably not perfect, but it feels like this is TV syndication. Like let's take the old, um, I don't know when uh, Big Bang Theory was on. They would sell the first few seasons to local stations to make money off it. Is that does that work, or is it is it um, are there just totally different dynamics at play because of the way their content lives beyond seasons and well, no so, continuity? So, so, so,
1: I, I think there are opportunities with that like so. What we we're looking at is kind of it's already syndicated right uh, on YouTube, and it just right continues. you don't have to get new
0: distribution. It's already there.
1: Right, you can go do that. That also works, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and other companies solve that problem. We we don't solve that problem, right? Um, that you can go to Facebook and yeah, other sure. places cut up the content and so forth, right? What, what the model that a lot of people compare it to is kind of music and tele, music financings, right? Is okay. hey, there's this you know library of, of content that just continues to perform, and there are more ways for it to make money. The difference here is that. Created that the, the the people selling the rights, right? Whether that be Sting and music or Mr. Beast on YouTube, right? Sting's situation where he sold it for three hundred million is really an exit strategy, right? It, it's not a like, hey, I'm going to go make nine albums this year, right? With that three hundred million dollars, it's right. impossible, right? With right. He's St- cashing in. It's different. yeah. With, with with these other channels that we're working with. Whether you know, they're literally could take a dollar and invest it tomorrow, right? And so, our whole proposition to them was: you should make way more money than we'll ever make mm-hmm. if we do this deal, right? right. And and so, it's it, it's a it's a different variation because of the capabilities that the creators have to make more content, right?
0: right? Okay, so I'm, I'm getting hum, hung up on these. Specific channel details. So, give, update us. You start. You come up with this idea. You realize that there's there's interest out there. Where where are you now? Like, are, are you have you know a dozen channels? and You're going out to the, to the ad market with them, or what, what, what's the state of things right now?
1: Yeah. So um, we're really excited. We've deployed three hundred and fifty million dollars uh, to oh, through over two hundred and I think two hundred almost two hundred and fifty channel channel deals. Right. Um, some creators have multiple channels, um, so it's it's a little. It's not as many creators, um, but right. but what we see is the opportunity. to Say so. A lot of what we've been doing to date is been doing a high touch, white glove type service for creators. Right. So let us explain this to you. Let us answer your questions and so forth. Over time, we have been building. An automated way to do that, so we can reach more creators, right? right. Um, because there's only so many you can do, in with an unscalable kind of human human labor. Yeah, it's new.
0: You need uh, to get you need to explain it to get them in the door. And eventually, you'd like to just roll this out. The, well, and now,
1: now that we've got so many opportunities to explain it and refine our explanation and share details, we can actually do a lot of great storytelling really fast, right? To get creators to realize. Hey, this decision you're going to make is got to be backed by data that you can understand. And here's how to think mm-hmm. about it. Right now, make your economic decision. Decision. We think it's a good deal, no matter what. Right. But we're we want you to be informed. And then on top of that, what we're doing is saying, hey, you've always thought of us, whoever's thought of us, right, as a single transaction, right. But we're more than that, right. We do second deals, third deals. If you want to launch an international channel. Right. And mm-hmm. have a partnership with you will help you do that. You need insights on when's the right time to upload it in a given month to, based on ad rates. Right. We're going to help you do that. So we're going to really move from a transactional relationship to a partnership okay. over time. Right,
0: And then, okay. So then tell t- me explain with your, when you go out to the ad market, you're talking to ad buyers or brands. How do you, I guess I got a couple of things. How do you explain this to them? Because without like, do they... They are, they, surely most big brands are pretty well invested in YouTube by now and they get it they get the creator thing. Right. Are they, do they say to you, well, that's the old stuff. Like, do I care about that? Or is it, or is it, um, is it a reach play? Like, or, do you sell the creators? Like, how, what is it? What's the message to those folks?
1: Yeah, no, you've asked the exact question that everyone asks, right? Which is, isn't this old? like back to your syndication comment, right? This isn't the new Seinfeld episodes. Right. The old yeah. story, right? <laughs> I've and, seen this. And, 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 and we do have to do some education around, no, there's no such thing as timestamps that really matter on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. we go back to the simple example of how to tie a bow tie and you say, well, do you care how old that is, right? And and if people are currently watching Mr. Beast's first upload that he did three years ago, then they're it's the same audience that you're trying to reach from new videos, right? Um, right. And so they're just as valuable. In fact, they're probably more engaged because they're watching... You know deep library content right rather than just they're they're seeking out
0: they're digging they're going down the the,
1: Right. the right and and so the big pitch though is we have gone out you have to think of us as content creators in a way right where we've gone out and chosen very specifically on engagement metrics what is the most high quality video we can actually put $350 million against and think it's going to do well. Right. Right. And if we're picking that. It, it's clearly like kind of the cream of the crop. Right. And that, that delivers a brand safe solution for, for um, advertisers, but we own the 55% share that YouTube uh, pays out to creators. Right. Right. So we don't have to charge you like the MCNs did, right. They had to charge you more because the creators were taking right. it. We can charge you, Very similar rates or with much more effectiveness. So the idea is, hey, more highly engaged content will deliver better results, right? For therefore being more effective, right? In, in terms of costs. On top of which this huge, the main push is the tail, the transition of TV dollars to digital, right? Where a lot of that's happening now because of Mm -hmm. audience decaying, right? That we say, hey, this feels like television. You 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 know you bought American Idol at eight o'clock on Sundays. You're buying Mr. Beast on you know for a week, right? And then you know where it's going to show up.
0: Right. Well, that was going to be my question because that was for uh, for a long time, and I think YouTube and other digital channels have gotten this, but that you want to speak to that advertiser that's used to accumulating ten million people in one night, Monday Night Football or whatever. They like the flighting, they like the, the predictability of television, even though it's really eroding. Like, is that part of what you're trying to, hey, I can roll this yeah. up in a big way?
1: Yeah, we knew we couldn't have actually make an impact for major advertisers unless we had a lot of scale. But within quality, that was very much like appointment-based viewing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it's not all in one, like the Super Bowl and all in three hours or whatever it is, right? right it's still a lot of scale. Right. With a very specific set of creators and, and types of videos. Right. Right. Um, so, so the reaction so far has been extraordinary, right? They feel like, Oh, it kind of feels like I already buy this way. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so, uh, we've seen, and, and then, as you know, right. This massive push to move dollars away from, from television. Um, so, but, but also look, you know, what's amazing is three or four years ago, right zero percent of our view watch time was on televisions right and and now it's like almost hitting up 40 percent
0: really so even i was going to say is your mix of creators inherently younger or more like less inclined to do that but you're it sounds like that's that trend is just universal across
1: youtube right now well especially for the content that's predictable Right. And Mm -hmm. usually what that means is that when the, well, it just happens to end up and I'm sure there's lots of reasons why, but that most of that content is long form. Right. So 10 minutes plus. Yeah. Right. And so it lends itself to that type of, of viewership behavior. Right. Um, so we're seeing massive amounts of watch time, um, because they're they're long form videos that are highly used. So.
0: Right. Okay. So you, is your approach been to, I know it's very early, like, are you going to the uh, th- to the TV market first? Like, a, you know, that's a, YouTube's always kind of had to like straddle that line between like, was it go the digital marketer, the web, the performance marketer, the web video p- budget, or is this the TV money? Now, I think I think it's you know evolving pretty fast. But where where are you starting?
1: We're starting. We're, we're actually not saying, hey, let's just go after TV budgets. We're starting with obviously the agencies and the brands direct, but we're going saying, hey. This is the this is a highly curated set that both the digital team and the television team should really be considering, yeah. right? But we needed to make the story really digestible by the television sure. group, right? Yeah, this definitely speaks um, to the language. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so um, then let me ask you about where Google's place in this or not, like because they've had they've had for a number of years a product. It was originally called Google, Google Preferred, and now it's got a different name, which is escaping you me. Do YouTube Slack, where, where they were sort of promising. I, I believe it was like the top five percent of creators, but it was also there was some viral video stuff in there.
1: And that well, was top five percent hot... of YouTube in any given day.
0: Right, right. Not like over time, as you're describing it. And I think that was a high price
1: uh, tactic. Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely higher price than auction. Right. Right. Like this, so, Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Ask. Oh, so is person, is so.
0: there like is that product? potentially in your way? Do buyers say, well, okay, or what the hell is this? And then you know, I guess the other question is like, why doesn't Google just do what you do? Or, or, or maybe, they, maybe they are happy that you're doing it and don't want to do, get into this business.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we have an awesome relationship with YouTube, right? So if you think about it most, you know, what we're doing is we're giving money to creators to go invest more in the platform and therefore make more money by themselves, that we do better. YouTube does better. Right. You're
0: friendly to their talent. That's good. Like,
1: Yeah. Like we're hands off. We're not telling them how to do things. Right. We're only giving them insights. They love that. Right. When it comes to ad sales, you know, YouTube has always had kind of a love hate relationship with, uh, you know, outside parties selling their, their content. Mm-hmm. I think overall Google's, Google's philosophy is more people selling YouTube is better. Right. right. That, that it just, it can't, like and, and also the, the other I think thing that they go back up or they, they focus on is anything that can be automated should be automated, right? Sure. We don't we don't want you know yeah. tons of people. We want really that's, that's who
0: they are to the core.
1: Right. Right. So the auction is the most beautiful, like best monetization engine you've ever seen, right? We are hundred percent sold out every day, right? It's just a matter of what the rates are, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the problem is, is, that the auction really can't determine or doesn't do a good job doing it up uh, between a Mr. Beast video that costs $3 million and a how to tie a bow tie video. Right. right? And, and so there, we're, we'll see like these really kind of depressed rates because the auction is basically saying, hey, I'm just scale, right? Views, your views
0: scale. right? You know, I'm, I'm just a machine.
1: Yeah. And, and, and obviously we'll do demo targeting and so forth. Right. But so what we find is people think they're paying less. Right. So they'll say it's almost like this cost per it's almost like the CPM versus the CPC model where where if you had a better local ad, your click through rate was going to be higher and therefore you're going to pay less for less impressions. Right. Um, Here's the same thing where they're saying, oh, I pay eight dollars in the auction, eight dollars CPM. But they're having to throw twice as many ads at it. Right. right? Because it's landing in all sorts of areas. YouTube Select tries to solve that. Right. And they do a really good job. Right? Um, right? But again, it's a it's a little bit of a broad offering, right? It's it's not, they're not going to tell you it will land here. It's not these it 10
0: guys, here. these 10 creators, it's not that's not our work.
1: Right. So it's not curated, it's not, well it's transparent, I'm not saying it's not transparent like you're yeah. being bad, but it's it's not transparent in the way that the television buyers and others might want it to be right. especially around where brands are landing on videos that necessarily are not brand safe but maybe not, not for them. Like, we had a brand ask us, like, they just don't want to be anywhere near the word God. We're like, right. okay, we can do that. Right. No problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever if you're comfortable I'm with. Reasonable. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, So I, I, you've anyway. frozen me
0: with this idea of, of staying away from God. I don't know what to say. Um, Are you, speaking of the auction and all this stuff we're talking about, are you guys getting pushed? I, I, do you want to play in the programmatic targeting? like data-driven world, or is that not really where you're going with this? Is that, is that sort of, that's YouTube's territory?
1: No, we would love to go there, right? We just, that's just not allowed, right, right. Now on YouTube. Right? Yeah. But I, I think eventually they would say, well, why wouldn't it be allowed, right? Um, now, obviously, they can buy programmatically through the auction. Right. Um, you know, right?
0: everyone's like doing this, let's try and match up my data set with yours and find people, you know, that's not, that's not where you are right
1: now. No, I mean, we, we, we can match up their data in any way that YouTube already allows it to okay. happen. Okay. Um, so they can put in first-party data when YouTube has third-party vendors that make that happen. Right. We'll mm-hmm. use those third-party vendors to help that. We just don't have our own direct pipes right? Um, that people can just sit and right. hands on keyboards and start programming into.
0: Um, again, it's early, and we're talking about you're, you're, you're still getting, proving the model and introducing yourselves. Are you... Getting pressured to like, there were in this era where everyone's going to prove that everything that they're they're every ad dollar worked, drove sales, drove leads, whatever. Are you in that? Are you have, you have you tried to have you needed to establish that yet? Is that coming? Meaning, like, do you need meaning, to do studies or have uh, tools that prove that you know you drove people to transactions yeah, or stuff I, like that?
1: I think like- Again, what we try to land on is a really simple approach of measuring effectiveness, mm-hmm. right? Everything has, I mean, my view is for all new companies doing new things, like the, the only way you super scale is for it to remain pretty simple, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think this is where a lot of companies falter, right? especially startups that see so many opportunities, right? We're just too going many, like- Giving too
0: but, many options right now is not a good thing probably.
1: Right, so, so I think what we often focus on is cost per completed view as a main mm-hmm. metric. With whatever targeting you're asking us to do, whatever freaking, frequency capping you're asking right. us to do. And usually that's like around a, you know, a two cent cost per completed view, okay. um, because then they can take that number and go, well, what am I getting in the auction? And actually understand it's not about CPM, but I maybe I'm throwing three ads to get as many completed views right of my ad. Right. right. Um, so, yeah.
0: Okay. Obvious question: um, Can this model, if it proves out, be expanded to other platforms, at like Twitch or TikTok, something else? I'm not thinking of. Is, is can this work beyond YouTube?
1: It can. Um, the the main problem is that the, the the platforms themselves have to have a monetization solution, right? right. Um So TikTok today, very difficult. Won't it won't happen? Although they now are announcing long form content and yeah,
0: they're going to ten minutes. I think. It just said recently. It's
1: still like even if you had long form content and all the audience YouTube has, you still don't have the uh, the monetization engine that Google built over 20 years, right? Um, So Snapchat I think is actually doable. The key the the key differentiator for Snapchat they clearly have monetization that's actually good, right? But they don't currently really depend on a recommendation engine that makes content more discoverable. Right. It's more of like a tile based approach. Like, hey, watch these things. Right. You're and either
0: you're connected to people or not, or you're flipping through Discover, I guess. It's, yeah, I
1: think it's they're going to change over time. Right. Um, and and uh, you just heard my LinkedIn yeah. go off. Of, uh, <laughs> Someone sent a resume uh, just, as, as, as yeah, they heard exactly. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. So, yeah. So Snapchat, Facebook is 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 a possibility. Definitely. Um, again, we don't want to dilute our own offering by trying to offer too many things.
0: Yeah. One thing at a time, my, nail this one.
1: Yeah. But my feeling is that the, the biggest opportunity is going to be the connection between kind of what I'll call like mid to long tail creators, right? Super niche categories, barbecue, uh, baking, um, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. categories you think of, right? and those, the, those creators connected to commerce. Right. To the Shopify stores and so forth saying, hey, now is that another kind of ad unit driving predictable monetization that we can start to finance creators helping them launch new products? Right. That, now that's that
0: interesting thing? because you've 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 seen the we we've talked about how first party data is such a big deal and, and this drive towards e-commerce. And you're seeing that Amazon's right. ad business explode and now Walmart. Like there's definitely this desire for brands to marry those two things. And, yeah. and we've tried it. We've seen social commerce, you know, tr- have fits and starts. But you're seeing a real opportunity there with creators. Yeah, I
1: we actually, I don't know if you know. Um, I'm sure you, Tubular Labs, sure, which is a you know SaaS platform for uh, for enterprises to understand data on social platforms, right, and trends right. and so forth. Well, they they have a data set that talks about you know what's the purchase behavior for for someone watching a barbecue video on YouTube versus any other video. And one of our channels called smoking and grilling with a B, right? It it was he has a 40, 40 times more people that are watching his videos are 40 times more likely to buy Mexican spices than anyone else. Right? And you're going and but he's selling a knife set. So you're sitting there going, Hey, now this data is telling you to kind of switch. Yeah, right. Or something that is maybe has a higher affinity. So as I see more and more of that come together, and then you you know, and you look at Amazon, you look at Shopify. Um, I, I just think that's going to be an exploding.
0: That's category. fascinating. Yeah, Aaron, this is terrific. I don't want to keep you forever. This one, I just want to wrap it up on this one. Um, it's a broad one, but you know, we've been talking a ton about the creator economy and and uh, and the the power of influencers. Is there something that you want to get across that maybe brands just still don't understand or it's not it's not widely understood about how just how significant this trend is or how powerful this this group of creators is in terms of our economy or the, or the, or their influence.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, look, I think there's a great example of how powerful the influence is, right? When you look at Mr. Beast and Mark Roper on YouTube, raising $30 million to take 30, 30 million pounds of trash out of the ocean. Right. It right. wasn't, it was money making experience there. And they did that. I think in call it a month. Yeah. Right. And, they're and like
0: literally going to change the world to a degree.
1: Right. And you're like, this is two channels on YouTube. Right. And, and, and you just, it's just amazing the influence they have to have people take action. Right. Like that, that is a very, (laughs) that's not just a passive watch my ad type relationship. Right. And so when these creators get behind or ads that are in front of this content, we just see super high performance because That the actual ability for those, for the audiences to take action or desire to associated with their favorite creators is there, right? It's huge. And so we plan on, I think that the, a good indication of that is we're planning on investing, I think a billion, I think a billion dollars within the next 18 months, right? Or we've done 350 million already. So we'll get up to a billion by the next 18 months. And we're not even scratching the surface, right? right how much great quality content is out there that we think is really um high end for advertisers to to win yeah and that, um, that so.
0: old episode Seinfeld are not getting you off the couch to do anything so that that is that is a really <laughs> a, a really important That's distinction true. all right yeah. awesome conversation thanks so much best of luck with the with oh, the yeah. continue rollout
1: and hopefully we'll talk again oh, thank you for having me really appreciate it you got it
0: big thanks to my guest this week, Aaron DeBervois, founder and CEO of Spotter, and of course, my partners at AppsFlyer. If you like this episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit the subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more on what's next in marketing.